Jesus this morning, church. Amen. 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 Well, it's so good to be back in church with family, with people of God. <laughs> I tell you, being sick is no fun. No fun. But the moments that we were at home and all of us, five kids, <laughs> quarantined for over two weeks. You just appreciate what God gives to you, the life and the abundance of grace that he provides. And it was awesome watching the last two weeks online and so blessed to have people like Tiffany and, and Pastor Lane to be able to lead worship. And from what I saw, I wasn't here, but it was amazing and felt the presence of the Lord and so thankful for people to come and step up and and do the kingdom of God, do the work of the work of the Lord. Aren't you thankful for that? Thankful for technology that we can our kids can watch Pastor Matthew online and and get the word and get worship and then obviously get uh, uh, Pastor Gary as he's sharing and Nehemiah has just been such a powerful series. But as we go in this time of worship, I just want us to I know we're kind of few in numbers. I know last week was few from what I heard. And we understand that. We get that. But no matter where we're at, we can still call upon the name of the Lord and he is going to meet us right where we're at. No matter if it's in your living room, in your home, in your car, or here in this building. I'm so thankful that when we call in the name of Jesus that he is there and with us. So as we just enter into this time of worship, and we're going into this Christmas season, into the Thanksgiving. I'm just amazed of the grace that God gives. I'm amazed of his love towards us, towards me. I'm thankful for his faithfulness, for his goodness. And most of all, I'm thankful for salvation. And as we worship, just with our hands lifted and with our voices raised and our hearts raised, that we just allow God to come and speak to us this morning, something special. As you're watching online, just open your heart, lift your hands as we just worship, amen.
simple question is a life-altering implication. You should read the Word of God. That's why Jesus also says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus knows that there is a spiritual hunger inside of every human heart that can only be satisfied by consuming the words of God. Christian, give yourself to the Word of God. The Word of God is a rock, strong and steady. It doesn't budge, break, or crumble under pressure. It's an anchor in the storm, keeping us calm when everything around us is chaotic. The Word of God is a mirror, showing us who we really are. You don't just read the Word of God, it reads you. It's a treasure beautiful in every dimension and worth every effort of discovery. It brings endless joy and eternal riches to all who find it. It's a fire spreading across the world to bring heat and light. It's a river bringing life and power to everything it touches. The Word of God is a seed planted deep inside of our hearts, producing the fruit of holiness and righteousness. The Word of God is a sword dividing true and false, right and wrong, good and evil. It's a hammer, crushing what needs to be crushed and breaking what needs to be broken. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to show us our path. So let the voice of God be the first, the last, and the loudest voice in your ear today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life. Give yourself to the Word of God.
Well, because it's in the real Bible. <laughs> the, King, <laughs> the King James Version. And I like the King James Version because it's not normal English, and so you can play with it a little bit and still sound spiritual. But I do like the way this particular verse, verse 27, is translated. You can follow along in your digital device or in your Bible. But let me read it to you from Nehemiah chapter 12. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving and singing, with cymbals, psalteries, and with harps. And the word there, keep the dedication with gladness, the, the um, NIV says celebrate joyfully. It's in a reference to the dedication of the wall that had been completed. Now, let's just ponder that thought for a moment. Why would you have to tell someone to celebrate joyfully when the object of their celebration is what they've been hoping for and praying for and believing for for decades has finally come to pass? They're in Jerusalem. The temple has been rebuilt. Worship has been restored. The wall has been built. The gates are in place. Why would you have to tell them to celebrate with joy or keep the dedication of the wall with gladness, glad celebration? I don't know why you would have to tell them that. Why would you have to tell someone who's been delivered from their sin, washed in the blood of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, have their hope in heaven, looking for Jesus to come? Why would you have to tell them to celebrate joyfully on Sunday? Why would you have to say it at all? There's plenty for us to celebrate. One of the things I've discovered over the years is that the longer you keep your dedication, the less joyful you can tend to become. In, In other words, words, I've watched people who have served Jesus for a long time, dedicated, committed, you can count on them, that never smile. It's almost as though they are frustrated that others don't match their level of dedication. It's almost as though they're frustrated with what they've had to give or they've had to sacrifice. And so what I'm saying to you is, whatever you've dedicated to God, whatever that is, if it's your family, if it's your life, if it's your resources, whatever it is, when you, when you dedicate it to him, do it with joy. Joy is always the mark of the Christian faith. Celebrate joyfully. Dedication does not have to be marked by sourness. And I have been frustrated over the years growing up in church with people who are so dedicated you can tell it by how sour they look. Shouldn't a new believer mark the beginning of the increase of joy, not the apex of joy? Is there anybody here this morning? Listen, listen. you got to shout out for 10 people this morning because they're all at home. And those of you that are online, you better be shouting right now or I'm going to come to your house. <laughs> Celebrate with joy. Now, I'm going to pause for a moment and talk about our contemporary culture. We're living in strange times. How many, how many of you know that? <laughs> what strange days. Pressure all around to conform to someone else's standard. Guidelines for a pandemic that change depending on who you talk to and which source you cite. 
rules that are changing by the moment. We are spraying down hard surfaces and wiping them down and we'll continue to do that entering into flu season. But the latest literature now, when they told us originally, spray it all down, wipe it down, disinfect everything. Now they're saying it really doesn't matter because it's not transferred that way. We can talk about how long you need to quarantine. Is it 10 days, 14 days, 24 days? Is it 10 days plus 14? Is it 14 plus 24? It depends on who you're talking to. So in this culture, let's set politics aside. I want to suggest to you that in this particular time in our history, there are three important battles that we're fighting that we need to keep in balance. We are fighting a battle for physical health in the United States today and worldwide. There's no question about that. The virus is real. Look around us. Now, uh, those of you that are watching online or at home, uh, nothing I'm saying this morning is to try to encourage you to do anything different than you feel comfortable with. Let every man, Romans says, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. You do what's right between you and God. So, uh, and I'll affirm you in that. And if you want to wear a mask in here, I affirm that. If you don't want to wear a mask in here, that's your call. We're still going to do the things we've always done. We have social distance to space. We've gone to every other row. We're going to do everything we can to keep people safe. That hasn't changed. And the battle for health is a real one. We're going to continue to keep the doors open. We're going to continue to minister um, our faith. For those who can come and for those that are online and for those who will come back as this all progresses. And, and I get the frustration. It was, it was hilariously frustrating. Does that make sense? Yes. To listen to two doctors debate the value of a vaccine. One doctor is saying, oh, it's wonderful. It's going to put the end of the pandemic. We'll get that out and we'll start with healthcare workers and we'll get it spread out. It's going to be amazing when that's released. And on the same show, the other doctor is saying, this is really dangerous. We haven't tested sufficiently. People are going to die. We won't know for six months if it's really worked. And it's like, what are we supposed to do? We're in a battle that's keeping that pressure on us. Have you ever coughed in a public place? You may as well say, leprosy. Stay back. The battle is real. Fortunately, the majority of people are weathering it well. But with that comes a very real battle that's affecting the school system, the healthcare system. I'm not diminishing that at all. It's a battle we have to deal with. But what we don't talk about is on top of that, we're not only battling for physical health, we're engaged in a battle for mental health. You have to understand the world needs to understand, we all have to understand that the mental health of people is just as important as the spiritual health or the physical health of people. And when you force people to quarantine and isolate, there are times for that, and I'm not, I'm not arguing against what we're doing. I'm just saying that isolation has a negative impact on mental health and that children are going to be impacted by this for some time to come, being afraid to interact with people that are close to them. And children need interaction. We're going to continue to make our kids' ministry a safe place and continue to offer that hopefully after uh, Thanksgiving because there is the mental health of people that are involved. And you know that when you get to see someone, it's much more mentally healthy than just FaceTiming or Zooming them. Yes. How many know we're in a place, in a, in a mental battle here? 
for the mental health of our nation, the mental health of our students. You can't separate that out. And so we have to weigh those two things. And it's not being discussed. In addition to weighing the risks and reward of the pandemic, physically, we have to risk measure the risk and reward of the mental health impact that's happening in our culture today. Third, we're in a battle for spiritual health. You were not designed by God to grow outside of community. You were not designed by God to worship alone outside of community. The whole of scripture is about community and coming together and we can do that online. But here's the problem with online community. It's that you don't have to be part of the community to be online. And there's a barrier there that breaks down relationships. So, for example, this, this past week, I was in seven, we have our state divided into seven sections. And we had sectional meetings. And I needed to be at all seven of them. I've done that before and traveled the state. And this wasn't... Um, this wasn't traveling, this was via Zoom. I'm telling you that seven business meetings in four days on Zoom will tax your mental health. But here's what happens. People do things, and I watch them. Do you know how many of you have been in a Zoom call at all or FaceTime at all? Uh, you might not know this, but the way that works is we can see you So when you get up and go to the stove to stir your mac and cheese, we can see that. When you're blowing your nose like the world is going to end, we can see that. When your dog is barking, we can hear that. Is anybody getting my drift? None of that happens when we gather together to worship. Not one of you is going to get up and go down the kitchen and make mac and cheese. And if you do, we'll cut the power. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? It is difficult. So those that are joining online, I know there's a temptation for you to just kind of drift off and go get a coffee or get a sandwich or have your late breakfast. But you'll never engage in community if you don't treat your online experience the same as you treat it in the in-person experience. They have to be treated the same because there's community that's involved in interaction and you're part of us today. And we have to respond to it that way and make it matter because your spiritual health is directly connected to the body of Christ just as surely as it's connected to the head of the body, Jesus himself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're in a battle for spiritual health. The, the, out, the, 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 the fallout from this won't be known for some time. But I know there are people who have drifted already that will never make it back to the moorings of their faith because they found a way to be even more uh, lukewarm about their experience. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not picking, I'm just saying we're in a battle. So when I sit behind my desk on Monday and I look at the week, I realize in ministry here at Berean, we are battling a physical problem that affects volunteers and our ministry, and we need to be safe. We're fighting that battle. We're also fighting a mental battle for people's mental health. That's why isolation is such an effective tool in punishment when you isolate or send to the room or send the time out because it has that, that, that negative impact on your mental health. 
have to deal with that? How do we address that? And how do we deal with spiritual health? I want you to see this morning that it is much more than just a physical pandemic. It's a mental health pandemic and it's a spiritual health pandemic. How many are hearing what I'm saying? So pastor, what are you going to do? What's brain going to do? We're going to try to balance all three. Because if we're just about the pandemic, you may not like this, but it's all right. It's just a handful. I can outrun some of you. <laughs> not all of you. If we're just the pandemic, then let's stop meeting. And let's all go home. And let's stay there and use Uber Eats and Uber Delivery and not come out of our house. If that's all there is. And live with masks. If it's all about mental health, then let's forget the pandemic altogether and build one another up by community. And if it's just spiritual health, then everybody should be here because online church isn't the plan of the New Testament. You following what I'm saying? But it's all three. And the battle has to be measured and addressed from all three perspectives. And what we're doing our best to do is say to you, yes, we will still do the things that make you safe. Yes, we still need community where you see people face to face. And yes, spiritual health matters. And I will tell you, I'd rather you die of a physical condition than die of a spiritual condition. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? There's a tension, there's a balance there. And so my appeal is, in addition to staying physically safe, stay mentally healthy, and let's do what we have to do to stay spiritually sound and spiritually healthy. And how do we do that? I'm so glad you asked. We celebrate our dedication with joy. This isn't a time to hide. This isn't a time to mope. This isn't a time to give up. This is a time to press forward and say, my hope is still in Jesus. My joy is still found in him. I believe what the word of God says and he's going to bring a, a great conclusion to the battle we're in. Let's just not lose our way. And I think it's significant that this is clamping down right as we go into Thanksgiving and Advent. We have to really balance that. Now, I don't know what you do for Thanksgiving. How many know that we have an American holiday called Thanksgiving? Let me see your hands. And how do I know that involves food and family and football? Oh, no, not necessarily football. <laughs> the three great Fs of the American culture, food, family, and football. Hallelujah. And now we're being told, keep the groups. I get this. I get this. Keep the group small. But, but I, I hope you don't feel like this. Could you put that slide up for me? Do I need to explain it or some of you are getting a little slower than others? <laughs> when you have 11 people at your house on Thanksgiving and the cops show up, grandma needs to match the carpet. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Let her hide. <laughs> we may as well laugh as be in the shape we're in. So what I'm trying to communicate to you is simply, can we make a decision today that we are going to keep our dedication to God with gladness. Amen. We're going to celebrate the rebuilding of the wall 
We're going to celebrate all that he's done with gladness. I'm not going to lose my joy over the current conditions of the culture. Some of you know that my wife works at Hobby Lobby, and this has been fascinating to watch. I'm telling you that people out in the secular world are celebrating with joy. There was a period of time, like almost a whole day, that they were selling, they were carrying out a Christmas tree every five minutes. Carts, 50 people lined up buying stuff. I mean, people are buying stuff like never before. Why? Because they're tired of being depressed, and they are going to celebrate, and that spirit ought to get in the church. We ought to be glad to be here. We ought to be glad to love Jesus. We ought to be glad to share our faith. And we need to keep ourselves committed to that. Is there anybody in the house this morning that agrees with me? We're coming into the, the Advent season, one of the most important seasons of the church. Without Advent, there is no Easter. Without Advent, there is no redemption. Without Advent, there is no hope for our lives at all. Let's celebrate with gladness. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. So what's necessary for that to happen? Well, I, let's look at chapter 12. And I'm not going to read this entire chapter. It bounces around and it's pretty amazing. But let's go to verse 8 of chapter 12. The Levites were Jeshua, Benui, uh, Kadmiel, Sherebiah, Judah, and also Mataniah who together with his associates was in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. If we're going to celebrate our joy, we're going to celebrate our dedication with gladness that requires that we sing songs of thanksgiving. Someone said, I don't remember who first said it, if the devil can't steal your joy, he can't steal your goods. We are people of thanksgiving. And I want you to think for a moment about the power of singing. How many of you are glad that you don't have to sing as well as Pastor Nathan to be able to sing to the Lord? You don't even have to sing purdy. You just need to make a joyful sound. Now, some people could make that joyful sound a little softer. Like the guy who was approached by the usher and invited to remedial hymn singing in the basement. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother story. But the Bible doesn't sing, say to sing with talent. It says to sing with joy. There is something that happens when we sing. My dad could not carry a tune if you stapled it to his chest. He could not sing. And it was embarrassing when he tried. Now, my dad also had a ferocious temper. I saw him randomly throw a screwdriver because he got mad and threw it through the back window of his 58 Chevy pickup. Just shattered. So to fix it, we got plexiglass and tin sheet metal because it was curved and you can't bend it. He threw a tire iron straight up in the air and it came down and stuck in the middle of the hood of his car. I've seen him throw all the dishes out of the, out of the cupboard because he was mad. I saw him take a Yahoo. Anybody remember Yahoo, the marble game? Yahoo or Wahoo? And throw that clear across the room because he's losing. But there were moments in my childhood when I'd hear my dad start to sing, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. When my dad started to sing that, it sounded terrible, but it gave me joy. Because I knew when he sang, he was happy. I wish it had happened more. 
But when he sang, he was happy. There is power in singing. There is power in music. And it impacts all of us when we sing. The Bible says to be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves how in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing. How are you going to be filled with the Spirit? Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's how it happens. God gave us the power of song. And in and of itself, it builds us. Now, the Bible says in Psalm 100 verse 2, Worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. We are people of music, singing the songs of faith. There is power in a song. I could probably start some for some of you that are more mature and wise. Start some of those old television commercial jingles and you could sing right along because there's power in a song. How many are hearing me this morning? In fact, how many of you could finish this? Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale. <laughs> sure you can. You can go right on with that dumb little song because it carries something with it. I read a review of an article that said there are at least um, four, three primary powers of music, listening to religious music and mental health in later life. Mental health and religious music go together. Sing along for your health, Harvard Health Publishing. Music can boost memory and mood. Again, Harvard Health Publishing. I want you to see this morning there is power in a song. Second, there is power in thanksgiving. When you are thankful, it changes the atmosphere of your life. We've all been around people that are ungrateful, people that are always complaining. Pastor Booth would say this this way, and I, I, I never did quite, I still don't understand it, but he would, he would say some people would complain if you hung them with a new rope. I don't know what that means, but I know what he meant. Some people complain all the time. Some people don't know how to communicate if they don't have something to gripe about. You want to change the atmosphere? There is power in being thankful. Being thankful for what you have. And thankfulness doesn't have anything to do with how much you have. It has to do with the condition of the heart. So I want you to see that singing is powerful. Thanksgiving is powerful. And what happens is that when you combine those two powers together, singing, I think they're going to bring me another microphone, singing and thanksgiving, you multiply the power when that happens. How many are hearing what I'm saying? There's power in singing. There's power in thanksgiving. So if you want to celebrate with gladness, start to sing songs of thanksgiving. I thought about taking time this morning to ask you what your favorite Thanksgiving song is. Your favorite Thanksgiving hymn, what would it be? Your favorite Thanksgiving chorus, what would it be? What would be the marker of that? And probably many of you remember that old chorus that we sang to death, Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart. How many remember that one? Been around for a long, long time. It doesn't matter what kind of mood you're in. When you begin to sing a song of Thanksgiving, I listened to Pastor Jonathan Bartholo preach a bit last week, and he sang a phrase out of Count Your Many Blessings. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you 
what the Lord has done. Singing songs of thanksgiving. You want to celebrate with gladness? Sing songs of thanksgiving. Number two then, alongside of that, are expressions of praise. Verse 24. And the leaders of the Levites, Hashabiah, Sherebiah, Jeshua, the son of Cadmiel, and their associates stood opposite them to give praise and thanksgiving. One section responding to the other is prescribed by David, the man of God. So they add now to thanksgiving what? Songs of thanksgiving and praise. Praise is supernatural. It brings the presence of God. How many of you know that's true? That when you praise him, God inhabits praise. Does anybody know that? Let me see your hands if you believe that's true. I'm telling you, in the darkest places in my life, I have not once ever entered into a praise relationship with Jesus that the presence of God didn't fill the room. Praise his name. Do you know the Bible tells us in Psalm 100, it's a great psalm of how to enter into the Holy of Holies. It begins this way. Enter, in, um, enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's how you get into the tabernacle, the temple. You enter the gate with thanksgiving. You enter the courts with praise. And you come before his presence with singing. <laughs> Come on, help me this morning. Somebody, I'm talking about keeping the dedication with gladness, coming into the holiday season. All the songs we sing, all that we experience, there's power in thanksgiving coupled with praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Come before his presence with singing. It will change your life when you add praise to your thanksgiving. Expressions of praise become powerful. They're primary in the experience. Praise and thanksgiving are not the same. Praise and thanksgiving do walk together, but praising God for who he is and thanking him for what he's done will keep your life in a healthy balance. So we're going to give songs of thanksgiving. We're going to give expressions of praise, and that ought to fill our mouth. <laughs> How many of you know there are stupid people in this world? There are just some people that you wonder, how did they even get dressed this morning? And we can spend all of our time talking about stupid people in a stupid world with stupid rules and stupid consequences and be depressed. Or we can give praise to the one who made us. Praise for what he has done magnifying him and giving him thanks. Let your mouth and heart be filled with praise. Isn't it horrible what's happening? Oh, it is horrible. But Jesus has seated us in heavenly places in Christ. And we need to, we need to speak his praise. How many are hearing me this morning? Come on, come with me. You've got to give him praise. So songs of thanksgiving coupled with expressions of praise. So what's the third part? Well, it takes a little bit of a turn in verse 30 then. Demonstration of purity. Demonstrations of purity. I, oh, I missed it. Can I back up a little bit? Is it all right if I rewind a little bit? I missed a piece that I wanted to give you about praise. If you look at what happens in this chapter, when they give thanksgiving and praise, um, they express it toward each other. They're speaking it toward each other. And as the choirs begin to climb toward the top of the city walls so they can express praise and thanksgiving back and forth, praise and thanksgiving is expe expected to be given back and forth. But do you know where they start? The first choir, where does it head? 
Oh, to the sheep gate, to the water gate. Where do they, do you know where they head in that first choir? They head toward the dung gate. <laughs> oh, I'm so tempted to say some things right now that could get me in trouble with my wife. Not about her, but language I'd like to use here. Sometimes life is filled with dung. Hello? Watch this. Thanksgiving and praise doesn't ignore it. It marches right toward it. Come on, someone shout with me. It marches right toward it. If you're dealing with dung, don't ignore it. Just approach it with praise and thanksgiving and watch what happens in the atmosphere around you when you march right toward that part of the wall. So then we go to verse 30 and their demonstrations of purity. Look at verse 30. When the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. So here's the progression. The leaders purified themselves. The people purified themselves. The gates were purified, and the wall was purified. In other words, leadership, congregation, and machinery was all seen as something that needed the pure touch of God on that ministry. How many of you have ever in your lifetime done something wrong on purpose? <laughs> I'm still looking for that 100% question. Let me see your hands. Now, if, if you're going to answer this in an affirmative way, please don't respond. Because my next question would be, and how many of you, when you did something you knew was wrong and you did it intentionally, were filled with joy? If that's a yes, you are a psychopath. That's what you are. But for, for normal people doing the wrong thing on purpose or the wrong thing accidentally brings a sense of guilt and shame. Because joy can't live where life is dirty. It can only dwell where life is clean. Keeping short accounts. Keeping things in right relationship. And I'm not talking about terrible stealing. Uh, other things we could talk about, affairs, those kinds of things. I'm just talking about how easy it is for someone to hurt you and for you to carry dirt in your heart. For life to happen and it make you mad and you carry that garbage around with you. You're not going to be able to celebrate when you're carrying baggage that Jesus wants to cleanse you from. <laughs> I want to be really, really careful here, but it was pretty insightful comment. In one of the sectional meetings, one of the participants in the meeting got a little hostile and um, I don't know if you know this, but that doesn't make me run away. It makes me run toward. I'm, I'm just saying, I, I can't help it. It's like, it, anyway, it happened. And afterwards, I got a text from this individual who said, I hope I didn't come across too hard. And I know that a lot of my comments came out of my own pain.
How many know that's true? You can't carry garbage around and celebrate joyfully. If you don't have joy, the first place to look is what is stinking in your life? Where's the garbage that needs to be carried out? What's there that you haven't dealt with? And so before they could celebrate, or as they celebrated the dedication of the wall, they had to look at the purity that God wants to bring to all of us and dedicated all of that to him. The leadership, the congregation, the machinery of ministry, all had to be submitted to him because demonstrations of purity are essential for us to have joy. <laughs> I've shared this before, but it's one of those landmark moments for me. How many of you remember my hee-haw story? Anybody? Good. No one? Great. I wanted to tell it. I'm in high school, and I'm in Bible quiz, and I had homework that needed to be done and Bible quiz that needed to be done, and my parents loved to watch hee-haw. Now, I went back not that long ago and watched an old rerun of hee-haw. That's a vulgar show. Now, I didn't realize how vulgar because we were eating at that slop trough. You know, when you eat at that trough, you just think it's okay. And I'm, I'm thinking, they let us watch this? Are you kidding me? And so we're all watching it. And I felt like God said to me, you need to get up. You need to not be watching this. And you've got other things you need to do. You need to go to your room and do your homework and do Bible quiz. Now, that is not what I wanted to do. Normally, I recognize the voice of God because it's contrary to what I want. And I'm telling you what, I stood up. My mom said, what are you doing? I said, well, I've got homework that needs to be done. She said, okay. I walked off. And in that moment, it's like a light turned on on the inside of me. And I felt the cleanest I'd ever felt in my life. Because God was helping me understand that when you deal with the garbage, it fills in with joy and gladness. You celebrate by purifying your own heart. You get that battle taken care of. Now, fourth, in verse 43, are sounds of rejoicing. On that day... They offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and the children rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. <laughs> Ooh, let's have some fun right now, could we? Worship is supposed to be loud. On the day of Pentecost, worship was so loud, it was heard all over town. And that was without a PA system. Hello? They were so loud in sounds of rejoicing that people heard it way outside the city. God gave you a voice and intends for you to use it he gave you a spirit and intends for that to be released. And there are times that our celebration needs to be loud because it, it, um, it purifies you on the inside. Now, I know this wasn't totally accurate, but some of you my age remember back in the 70s 
when you would say, I just need to, my, my car's not been out on the highway for a while. I need to take it out on the highway and blow the carbon out. <laughs> I don't think it did any good except for the driver. How many are hearing me now? You get out there and put your foot in that accelerator and watch the black smoke and then blow up the engine and get another one. But the whole idea was there is something about blowing out the carbon that we need spiritually from time to time. That it's okay to let something release on the inside of you. And I'm going to suggest to you that the spiritual reverberations of celebrating with gladness will be heard all over the city. And right now, we're online all around the area. I have missionaries who join us every week, people in other countries who join us every week. And so celebrations of joy from here will encourage them there and encourage people around the world and in our neighborhoods because when you're excited, you will show it. Some of you need to get excited about Jesus as you do about sports or about any other thing that excites you. There were sounds of rejoicing that reverberated outside the city walls. I, um, <laughs> uh, Pastor Kevin will understand this fully, uh, but there's been an ongoing debate in the city of Pleasant Hill over sound ordinances. And one particular getting ready for a conference Pastor Nathan was in here with the worship team and no one else was in here. And let's just say, you know, it's a little loud when the light over there falls out of the ceiling. You just know that it's, or that one over there falls out. It got, but it's all right, practicing. And you could kind of, I went outside, you could kind of hear it. And it irritated a neighbor who was out on the deck because she could kind of hear sound coming out of the auditorium. And the police came over. So we had a conversation about the ordinance and what was going to happen, and we've been trying to work that through. But what you have to understand, what happened in the natural happens in the spiritual. Some people get really annoyed by sounds of rejoicing. Some people get really annoyed by sounds of rejoicing. So I say, let's annoy them even more. Let's let the sounds of rejoicing reverberate through our neighborhoods, through our businesses, through our activities, that everywhere we go, they hear those crazy people from Berean who are giving sounds of rejoicing that are shaping and changing the culture. And then last, it always comes to this. You ready? It always comes to this. How many know that it always comes to money? It always comes there because that's where you live. In fact, People that get annoyed when I mention money need to be annoyed because they've got a stronghold in their life that needs to come down. Well, I know I just killed the spirit of joy. Verse 44. At that time, men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms. This is right at the end of this whole dedication. In charge of the storerooms for the contributions, first fruits, and tithes. You know what that is? That's tithes and offerings. From the fields around the towns, they were to bring into the storerooms the portions required by law for the priests and Levites in Judah. For Judah was pleased with the ministering of the priests and Levites. Joy will touch your substance. Joy will touch your wallet. Joy will touch your purse. Joy will touch your bank account. Joy will touch your credit card. I had a panic moment yesterday. I had a credit card that I thought I had lost. 
and I needed to use it. And I thought, oh no, where did I leave that? I don't know if you've ever lost a credit card, but I thought, oh no. And then in my mind, somebody's using this right now and they're paying off a building. Hundreds of thousand dollars are going through this whole account. I'm just pan, I'm freaking out in my office. I'm looking around, I'm picking stuff up. I almost called my wife and I ever go through all the pockets of my coats. And I know what she would say if I called her and say, could you look for that credit card? She would say, what time are you coming home? You can do it. You lost it. I'm in a moment of panic over what? Finance. And all I had done <laughs> is when I returned it to my wallet, I put it behind a credit card in a place where I never put it and I couldn't see it. But the impact of that little piece of plastic missing was profound. What would happen if I had that same passion for any missing touch of the presence of God in my life? And the way that shows is what I do with my resources. Have I found the joy of giving? God loves a cheerful giver. The bountiful heart is one that is generous. And if you want to celebrate with gladness, celebrating with gladness is always accompanied by generous giving. By generous giving. It keeps life fresh. So church, here's my appeal to you this morning as we go through Nehemiah chapter 12. Here's my appeal. Everybody's depressed, everybody's worried, everybody's afraid. But I dedicated my life to Jesus Christ. Whether I live or whether I die, I belong to him. Is there anyone with me this morning? I've dedicated my life to Jesus. And I'm determined that this holiday season, I'm going to keep the dedication with gladness. I'm going to celebrate with joy. Thanksgiving and praise, living a life of purity, letting my joy be heard and being generous in my giving. And you'll be able to keep the dedication with gladness. Some of you need a little uplift. Some of you need something to pick you up a little bit. And that hope is found in nothing less than Jesus. Would you stand with me? And could we take just a few minutes to kind of fill up our joy tank? Let Jesus put a little joy in our heart this morning. Let's take a couple minutes and magnify him. For all that you've done, I will thank you. For all that you're going to do. For all that you've promised and all that you are is all that has carried me
love Jesus. Let me hear your hands this morning. If you can do this with integrity and honesty, repeat after me. As God is my helper, as God is my helper, I will keep my dedication. I will keep my dedication with gladness and joy. With gladness and joy. I will not let this world, not let this world, take away from me, take away from me what Jesus died to give me. Jesus died. I will celebrate with gladness. I celebrate with. Amen. Gladness. I will celebrate with gladness. Amen. I will walk in joy. I will celebrate the goodness of the Lord. One more time. Let me hear your hands. If you're going to celebrate with joy, celebrate with gladness. He's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. Let's celebrate. You can be seated. Thank you for being here this morning. We're going to dismiss as we always have since COVID started from my right across to the left. When one section clears, the next section can go. And we are planning next Sunday to begin the Advent season with celebration and rejoicing. If you can join us online, join us online. If you have health issues, you need to stay home. I totally understand that. And those of you that come next Sunday better come wearing your garment of praise. Amen. Instead of the spirit of heaviness. Hello? Put on the garment of praise. We, do you remember that song? Put on the garment. Can we oh. do that just one time for God? I know that is so old oh, and it's so painful goodness. to sing. But some of you need a little help. You're just looking pretty somber. How many remember that old song? I mean, that's an old, old song to death. Do you want to do that once? Put on, Put the, on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your voice to God.